0: Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, I talk about my trip to Taiwan to the Golden Horse Film Festival, the box 7 success of Your Name in Japan and Hong Kong, a surprise cast addition to Monster Hunt 2, plus we'll be talking about the films Soulmate and Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. East West
1: Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, sitting here in sunny South Florida. And sitting all the way at his reviews desk inside a magical suitcase is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hey there, Paul. How are you? How are you doing, sir? It's been uh, a while. Although I think we're almost caught up in the backlog of episodes. So by the time you're hearing this, listeners, uh, this will be... Um, pretty well into the the sequence of when we're recording. Um, I think think I'm one episode behind at this point, but we should be up to speed uh, by about the time you're hearing this. So uh, we've just passed Thanksgiving here in the States, and uh, Kevin, you didn't get that chance to have a turkey over there in Hong Kong, but you've been off and about and doing things, right? You've been uh, watching movies and traveling a bit.
0: Yeah, I've been busy. Um, Work is hell as usual i mean no we're well not well okay lots of work um but i did take time uh, last weekend two weeks two weekends ago i went to taiwan for a quick trip um as i talked about in my last episode i was going to go to taiwan to watch the new Ang Lee film 120 frames and also you know catch some films at the um the golden horse film festival so we'll be talking about a bit about that in the new section um yeah paul how so how was your thanksgiving Yeah, it was uh, fairly normal.
1: Um, It's difficult to kind of have a normal Thanksgiving in Hong Kong when we were there. We tried our best usually by getting uh, turkey breast and some of the other traditional food where we could find it and just, you know, having a family gathering. Um, But this year, it was we had sort of a larger sit-down with some friends down the street, friends of my parents, and they, um, you know, did the whole thing, the whole um, big turkey and pies and cranberry sauce and all that. So it was good. It was a nice time. And, no, no uh,
0: politics. I assume.
1: Well, unfortunately, that's not to be avoided. Um, there's there were people there we didn't know, uh, um, and of course, the subject of politics and the election uh, always came up. And I did my best best to just kind of, you know, smile and and duck my head in the sand when I could and you know, avoid it <laughs> as much as possible. Um, but yeah, it was fine. And uh, we are here in the post uh, Thanksgiving. We've we've uh, just passed both Black Friday and cyber cyber monday and uh and here's the more important
0: yeah here's the more important question uh any any shopping uh
1: i did online shopping we we, we just did i had no desire really to go out to any of the stores i got a couple deals um online um i was waiting for the longest time to get a new fire tv stick um because they have a a new generation of the fire tv stick and i love that it's a great device to like traveling with because it's so small and if you're fortunate some hotels you can actually plug it into their um, tvs uh, hdmi and work some hotels block it which is a shame but um, it's great for traveling with both myself and and my daughter because we can just you know stream anything that we have access to in our library and all the prime stuff and But the old one, I had the first generation one, and it was really slow, I guess, because they've updated their, their interface over the years. And it's just like the load time for just the main homepage to load and then trying to get through to Netflix or to one of the apps or to one of the Prime things on a stream just seemed to take forever. So I said, I think they're probably going to put the new generation one on sale. And so I think I'm going to wait until that hits a sale and sure enough black friday came along and they dropped it about 10 bucks and i uh, jumped on that and we bought a couple other things in preparation for christmas but you know um, nothing too outrageous i would say no big 4k tvs or (laughs) anything like that that they try and push at this time of year what about you have you done any of your holiday shopping at all
0: no we don't we don't have Black Friday or, or or Cyber Monday here in Hong Kong. You know that we have the big yada. The you know the department store in You know but they did the have annual, um, uh,
1: They had what was it the the big thing in China is, uh, Singles Day or something? Uh, yeah, Singles Day.
0: The yeah the Alibaba whatever thing. I don't need that st- stuff. Yes. <laughs> so no no I, I I didn't bother with any of that. um I mean and I buy plenty of stuff over the year. During the year, I buy a lot of Blu-rays already, and I just did a big Blu-ray sort of purchase just before Thanksgiving came along because I had some stuff to pre-order and all that. So, um, no, I took care of all that stuff. So I didn't actually I didn't buy anything. It's interesting
1: because um, I, uh, one of our regular listeners uh, and friend of the show, uh, I won't mention him here because I don't know if he wants me to say his name or not. But he's based in Scotland. I think he knows who he is messaged me on facebook and was asking me you know did i get any stuff on black friday did i go out to any of the stores and um you know i told him a couple things online didn't really go out because we don't like the crowds and all the nonsense but he said that uh it's really starting to pick up overseas you know because a lot of these things even though they don't have the same concept of a black friday like they do here in the states the sales you know because people can order internationally a lot of stuff now and so a lot more people are looking for the online stuff on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, even though culturally it's kind of outside of, you know, their, their practice. They don't, um, kind of see, they don't do the Thanksgiving thing. So they don't see that post Thanksgiving day as uh, you know, this kind of big event, um, for preparation for Christmas, I guess. Like we've, had culturally here in the states but they do see it as a day of sales and it's something they can participate in i wonder if the, the singles they'll
0: ever yeah, pick up the, over the, here no i i doubt it god i hope not i mean there's not you know as if, as if america needs another excuse to shop um i mean for stores it's also just another another sort of opportunity to sell off their, their dead stock but no i think i think cyber monday and, and black friday happening in uh, within a couple of days are already enough for us or mm-hmm. for me at least Indeed, indeed.
1: Well, we are not here to talk about shopping, are we? We are here to talk about films and film news. So let me throw the ball over to Kevin and his court with this week's news.
0: Over here on the news desk, um, yeah. Quick report. Just continuation of uh, what we talked about last time. Um, a quick report of uh, the Angley's um, Billy Win- Billy Lynn's halftime long halftime walk. Um, 120 frames yes i saw it in taiwan taipei um it is one of the five theaters in the world to show this version and since uh, i think china the two chinese theaters were showing the censored version of the film cut by i think about two three minutes it is actually one of the free theaters in the world showing this uncensored version the way that it was meant to be shown um paul did you ever get a chance to go out and see the film no i have not and it w-
1: i'm curious though is it i mean is there is, is there much to be censored in it what
0: is it violence is it uh, uh adult yeah. content um from what I my here is at least one scene of one several shots of violence during the battle scene and at least one sexy that was cut down there's one sexy in the film and that's the only one that was cut cut away actually i think also a second and also a sort of a a, a, a modified dialogue um there's a dialogue that's referring sort of have a sexual reference and it was also sort of the subtitle sort of edited away um they kept it in english but they, they changed the meaning of it in chinese from what i've read um so yeah um the film is shot in 3d on 120 frames and if you don't know what 120 frames mean 120 frames per second means is that the normal film is shot in 24 frames per second it means that each second it's made up of 24 frames, um, 24 pictures, essentially. Um, But what this does is put 120 pictures within a second, which makes it um, almost smooth, kind of like, almost like real life. Um, What is the difference between this and,
1: you know, what they do when they sort of over-crank the camera to give us uh, slow motion effects?
0: Um, well, first of all, it's, it's regular speed. Right. Um, even slow motion, yes, in slow motion shots, they actually shoot at a higher frame rate to get it more natural slow motion. So it's not it's not unnor it's not um, unusual to see um, those really hyper slow motion shots. They're actually shot in very high frame rate. But usually, you don't see that happening in sort of regular speed. The last time we saw something like this would be in 48 frames per second. The Hobbit films. Um, Or if you look at the TV and you see um, the hyper smooth motion effect and you kind of get a rough idea of what that is. Even though, I mean, Billions Have Time Walk looks a lot smoother, a lot better. And for us who watch Asian dramas, who grew up watching Asian dramas, I think we kind of know what it looks like already. That kind of smooth motion. Now what that does is sort of, it's really weird because then everything looks like they're happening in real life. Like they're happening right in front of us. And you get that really smooth effect that doesn't really have that film look. And yet, I don't think Ang Lee quite figured out... I mean, shot at his experiment, and I don't think he... I think he's sort of stuck to his old techniques, his usual film techniques. So in a way, those don't come out quite naturally um, in 120 frames. Um, So it is a bit odd, but I can say that it looks amazing when there are a lot of stuff happening on the screen, like... The, uh, the halftime show sequence where you have fake Destiny's Child and you have fireworks going on, you have a lot of colors, a lot of bright lights um, and of course the battle sequence where you, this uh, it's like a five seven minute long thing where you have a whole sort of battle happening in the desert and the sun is bright and a lot of motion and there's a lot of explosions and things like that happening. It really really works. It sort of brings you it makes spectacle that you see in, in movies sort of It enhances the reality of that spectacle. And I think that it worked fantastically in those two sequences. But the problem is that the film itself, 90% of the film is actually just a normal straight up sort of character drama. It's a very introspective film. And it is about this, this inner conflict of this character, Billy Lynn. And the title actually refers to this sort of, this victory tour that he's doing in between two tours in Iraq, so his sort of short time back home is sort of his halftime, and it sort of sets up this um, conflict, this dilemma inside him, whether he should continue to fight in the war. Um, Whether he believes in it or not, it doesn't really matter, because the film sort of depoliticized the Iraq war. Um, So in that sense, it's a very fascinating examination of how sort of how how films and how 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 culture um views this war over time, and you see Ang Lee sort of depoliticizing it and sort of make it about the troops kind of thing um I know the film that has been has been pretty not it's been blasted by a lot of critics in in America, and I think um and yet a lot of audience in china like like they love the film at least in this region of the world, and I think um I'm somewhere up in the middle um I don't hate the film. I don't think it's a great film. I think it's actually one of Ang Lee's sort of weaker films. Um, There's a lot of script problems, especially especially in terms of um, sort of expressing ideas. But um, but I think that it's it's also um, a very fascinating look, sort of at the at the uh, very different, a more calm, a very zen look at at war and the uh, psychology of soldiers. And I think that the Chinese audiences um, are just sort of praising it because it's Ang Lee, I think they get into the mindset oh, Ang Lee must know what he's doing, he must be trying to, you know, he, 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 he this must be good and he sort of searched for reasons why and to be honest, I'm some, like I said I'm somewhere in the middle, but and I, like I said, the 120 frames most of the time looks a bit weird I wish that it was a normal, sort of at the normal frame rate, but I will tell you what really worked is the 3D because it was, sh- it was shown in 4K 3D, which requires two 4K projectors shooting the image on screen and it requires special glasses, the Dolby cinema glasses um, uh, because you have two very it's a lot of information going into both eyes, each eyes and no, most theaters in the world don't have the money to install two 4K projector, projectors to shoot side by side um, but the result was great it's the brightest 3D film I've seen I think ever I wish all 3D films looked this bright, if they all look this bright I do not mind watching more films in 3D, seriously. I do not need 120 frames, but I do want all my films to be in 4K 3D, it's so beautiful. Um, It's so bright and beautiful in that format. So, um, uh, the show I watched um, in Taipei uh, was about 80% full. It was a Friday morning show. It was a Friday 11 a.m. show. It was actually about 70%, 80% full. And um, as far as I know, it seems like the cinema is going, because they spent so much money putting this together, they are going to keep Showing it through, I think, until through December. I think, if not till the end of December. So you are coming to this area, uh, um, area of the world. Um, you probably won't be able to see it in America anymore. Um, not sure how long you can still see in China, but if you do stop by Taipei, um, you can sometime in December you can still catch the film in this very very special format. Um, and as as even though you know, I'm kind of half half feelings or mixed feelings about it i think it's one of those once in a lifetime thing i think that you must try at least once to, to see what it's like because not not many films will come along i, I think until possibly avatar 2 and who knows when that's going to happen and how many theaters are going to want to show in this format so if you do have a chance um please do i i do suggest you give it a try all right it'll be interesting to see too what ends
1: up happening with it once it gets to home video right um I guess you're gonna lose a lot of this, to some extent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. It's not gonna look as good. It is. It will get 3D, and I'm sure it will get the 4K, the 4K, uh, Blu-ray treatment. So, um, I'm sure it will look great in 4K. I think. Um, I'm just wondering what Sony is going to do about that high frame rate, um, because I think, I'm not sure if it is part of spec that you have to deliver, a film in um. 24 frames when you do have something like 4k blu-ray which can fit um much much bigger uh size files but i am not converting to 4k blu-rays i'm not i'm done upgrading this crap (laughs) this huge collection i'm not upgrading everything to 4k i don't find 4k really that much clearer than 2k um maybe it's just my eyes maybe my my eyes are failing i don't know but i um um, if you do have 4K Blu-ray, 4K TV, all that stuff, maybe Sony will will give you you give you a nice, um, very nice 4K uh, presentation. Maybe you will get to see the film in 120 frames or whatever high frame rate that it can fit. Um, but 4K 3D 120 frames um, will not be repeated on home video, I think.
1: Hmm. Well, there you have it. If you do get a chance to uh, get out and see it, uh, you know, drop us a line and, and share your thoughts because this is a As Kevin said, it's sort of a rare experience, um, and it's uh, something that I, you know, if they were showing it in my area, I would probably do just for the experience itself. I think most of the theaters are not even showing it in 3D here. I think we just have uh, standard 2D versions um, in the cinema.
0: Yeah, it's quite sad that it's become one of the biggest flops of this season, um, which shows, you know... Ang Lee really is not a household name uh, in America, even though he makes great films and he's known by film buffs. Um, of course, the, the, the negative reviews didn't help, but um, yeah, I think if you guys do get a chance and you were sort of wondering where to see this film, I, you know, it's Ang Lee film. You always should catch an Ang Lee film, I think.
1: Alright, got a bit more news, film news for us, about uh, a Japanese anime film this time.
0: Yes, um, I'm sure you guys have heard of the film, Your Name, Um uh it's the uh big animation sensation happening right now in Japan it's been at number 1 for i think 12 I think maybe 13 weeks now no 12 weeks yeah cuz fantastic beast just dethroned it so 12 weeks in, in, in at the top of japanese box office um it is now the third highest grossing film of all time in Japan just behind um i think avatar and spirited away um uh, it it is huge. This movie is huge. It is um amazing. Um, I mean the film itself is whatever. It's it's okay. <laughs> I I've seen the film. Um, but you know it is getting to a lot of audiences and and they they are loving this film. So um, it's not a Miyazaki film, right? So it is not. Miyazaki what is film, the driving is why, force for this being an anime? Which is it's such a big deal. Um, I have to correct myself though. Actually, it is the third highest grossing japanese film of all time it is sixth overall just passing princess mononoke and now right behind house moving castle actually will probably surpass it um anyway what is the draw this film is directed by a um a director named shinkai makoto um or makoto shinkai sorry last name first all that stuff um so shinkai makoto his last name is shinkai the hell okay fusing myself with names um this guy he's he's um i like to call him the Wonkar Y of japanese animation he's made these um not really short form but kind of 60 minute 40 60 minute animated films called um five centimeters per second and garden of words he also did something called um uh, something star F- um he did a feature film called children Who chase lost voices um a couple of years ago but he's most famous for five centimeters per second and uh garden of words these are very suburban um, animated love stories with a lot of voiceovers and i think they owe a lot of um owe a lot of credit to one car why i think they're very much inspired by the works of one car but anyway what this is sort of his second feature film um and i the story is about two high school students in one in tokyo one in a small uh sort of rural village um through some kind of supernatural phenomena they manage to swap bodies um several times a week so they sort of come into each other's life of they drop into each other's life um all of a sudden there's no real real um uh, explanation given but um Um, So they sort of learn to sort of adapt into each other's lives and and through that, they they bond. And then there's a huge twist in the middle that sort of explains what has happened. Uh, But I won't spoil it. But um, what is the draw of the film? Honestly, I've seen the film and it is a very good film, but I have no idea why. Um, I I think, uh, first of all, Shin Kamakoto does have a very strong fan base in Japan. Um, And I think you know to have a film that's been on the box office for 12 weeks you need to have very strong word of mouth so I think it is connecting with Japanese audiences especially there's a certain um, angle to the story that um, relates to what's happened a few years ago uh, recent uh, recent years Um, and I think that does have a sort of that still has very much relevance in Japanese society Um, and and in the middle of it there's just a very beautiful love story um and so it's it's not hard to see why it's such a hit why is it such a hit of this monumental proportion i don't know but since it's been a hit in japan it has also spread across asia i think it's all it's right now the highest grossing japanese film ever in thailand um it's also the highest grossing japanese film ever in taiwan if not second highest grossing if not the highest um and right now in Hong Kong, it's already made more than 20 million Hong Kong dollars in uh, after two weekends, um, and it is right now on. I mean, it is far, 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 far away from beating uh, Stand Standby Me's record. It is about only about halfway, so that probably won't happen. But what it's gonna beat is it's gonna be spirited away to become the highest-grossing 2D Japanese animated film ever in Hong Kong, I think, or the highest-grossing 2D. Two- if it passes 30. Then it beats the ring to become the highest grossing 2D Japanese film ever in Hong Kong. But at this moment, it is looking like it's going to dethrone Miyazaki's spirited away to become the highest grossing 2D Japanese animated film in Hong Kong. Um, Which is quite impressive because, in about two days, after about two days, the film already broke the box office record for all of other makoto shinkai's films in hong kong because he's not like a big name in hong kong and, and all of this is based on the reputation in japan and it's built up and and built up quite quite strongly i mean it went against fantastic beast and it's still doing super well in in um, in hong kong because i think there's a po that sort of goes beyond the usual anime fans they I, I spoke to a coworker who doesn't watch anything. he doesn't watch movies, a little anime. And she came out and she's like, I love the film. I, she loves the film. She said the story is really deep, whatever that means. Um, but she loves the film. And I think it's, it's sort of reaching out to audiences. Um, I think it is getting a one week engagement in America uh, soon. Uh, also in England as well. So the film is slowly spreading across the world. Um, and, yeah, I think Paul, you will get a chance to see what is the big deal with uh, this movie, Your Name.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Does it does, isn't his style a little bit limited in terms of um, like the animation itself, or, or has he has he upped his game? Because I seem to recall from some of his shorter works, it's uh, it's you know, it's not as vibrant. It's not as as overly animated as a sam miyazaki piece it tends to be a lot more subtle and and still i guess does that carry through here he
0: he has a very um yeah i mean i mean your name is certainly um visually and storytelling wise it's his most sophisticated work i mean he's working on a toho budget which is one of major studios he's working on a major budget um and like you said yes his previous films they aren't as as um um sophisticated or they aren't as um exquisite as like miyazaki film but what makoto shinkai does win over miyazaki is his he has a very close eye for de- real life details so when you see um i love watching his movies that are set in tokyo because he has an eye for capturing tokyo like he um he captures really really nice intricate some sort of little things about about the settings that that you know make it feel like you're looking at real Tokyo except he adds his color palette to it that just makes it all you know blue sky sunny day really just gorgeous um, so they are gorgeous still photos even though yes he it's not as vivid as say a Miyazaki film his he has a really uh, amazing attention to detail in both um, the Tokyo scenes and also the village scenes in in, in your name um, and and um, and I think that's what won me over, um, as a non anime fan, just his sort of his, his his dedication to making things kind of right between that animated world and the real world and and to have real real world emotions into them, his character, they're romantic characters. You know, his films could easily be live, live action films. Um they just won't be as pretty, but he um yeah, I think that's sort of his style, and and I think your name um, with with a bigger budget, he sort of perfected that slowly, and I think that's part of the appeal of the film when more audiences realize, oh wow, this guy really knows how to draw real life into into anime um, animation, and I think that's part of the draw.
1: All right, so look for that if it's not coming to your to a cinema near you, perhaps uh, you can catch it on uh, maybe Netflix or Crunchyroll at some point. All right. Now on to some award news. Uh, The Golden Horse just happened. And if you were fortunate enough to follow along with Mr. Ma as he did his uh, live blogging experience, you probably know the results. But if not, you can always go back and uh, check out his sort of, uh, what would it be, transcript, I guess, (laughs) of things that happened or the (laughs) awards results. But we're going to talk about them here, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, so the Golden Horse Awards um happened over the weekend, and very interesting set of results. Actually, I mean, every year, I mean, every award shows, um, every award show you sort of see, uh, there's always a clear winner, you know, clear sort of leader that that wins everything, right? Uh, last year the Assassin went and um, um, another film, um, gosh, um, another film. Anyway. It was the an assassin and no Thanatos drunk sort of were neck and neck with four awards each I think but of course the assassin Ho Shao Shen film um, won the top award and was quote unquote the winner but this year um, the jury led by Enhui uh, also with Angel Lee and I think Chen Jianbin who was who directed um, uh, a fool which was a big Golden Horse winner two years ago uh, um, they went for a very different set of results this year no film no single film received more than two awards this year. Um, but of course, top winner is, uh, this Chinese film, black and white film called Summer is Gone. It's a coming of an age film. It had its festival premiere, I think, uh, uh, in Tokyo, I think in October. Um, of course it also played in Golden Horse because all films, uh, nominated Golden Horse Film Festival, uh, awards must play at the Golden Horse Film Festival. And I'll talk a little bit more about the festival after this, um, uh, so that won the top film, uh, best film, and also best new actor. So it's very, very odd that it didn't win anything else other than uh, the the child actor. Um, but uh, anyway, other other winners, the other big sort of the other big winners, um, mostly from China. You have uh, Feng Xiaogang's uh, "I Am Not Madame Bovary" winning best director. You have um, Fan Wei, uh, Chinese actor uh, who you may have seen in some of Feng Gong's films, like, including "Personal Taylor." Um, he won the Best Leading Actor for Mr. No Problem. That film also black and white and also played in Tokyo. Um, uh, Best Supporting Actor, the so sort of major Taiwan winner is Austin Lin for At Cafe Six, The New um, Romance. Um, the other films that also won two awards, Cross Current, the Chinese film. Um, you have uh, Hong Kong's Mad World, which I think is a great, great, great film. Won Best New Director for Wan Chun and also Best Supporting Actress for Elaine Jin. That film is a very likely contender for a lot of great uh, big awards at the Hong Kong uh, Film Awards this year coming year um it's not coming out in hong kong till march so i think we'll wait till that time to talk about the film but like i said it's a great great film i already seen it um and it's getting a few more screenings here in hong kong but if you have a chance to see it at a festival near you do cash this film the other great hong kong film this year trevisa also won two awards best original screenplay and also um best editing i think both are are very um well deserved um Best adapted screenplay went to Mr. No Problem, so that makes Mr. No Problem another two award winner. Um, um, best action, um, which I think everyone sort of expected to be given to uh, Yuen Wo Ping for a Man Three, went to Wu Gang, uh, a member, a former member of Jackie Chan's stunt team for Chinese comedy detective Chinatown. Um, so you can see, even here, I mean, so many films got award this year. I think um, I can't tell if it's because Enhui's jury sort of liked all these films and think that they should spread it out evenly, spread the love evenly, or they didn't think any film was that great. Um, and um, sorry, one award I forgot to mention, the Best Actress Award. Um, it is this only second time this happened, but they gave it to two winners. They gave it to Zhou Yu and Ma uh, both the stars of Soulmate. They were both nominated and uh, Anhui said that they could not imagine one being better than the other. So they just, the jury just decided to give both of them the award. It's the first time there was a joint winner for the actress, Best Actress Award. Um, previously, Hwang Bo and Nick Chun uh, won the um, Best Actor Award. But it's the first time that two winners from the same movie shared or both won a Best Actress Award uh, in the history of the awards. Um, so like I said earlier, the, um, um, the, fest- the awards comes at the end of a two-week film festival called the Golden Horse Film Festival. Um, so include in addition to all the films that uh, were nominated, um, they also show a number of films. Essentially the Fall Film Festival of Taipei, um, and that's where I was uh, two weekends ago to check out some films. And I can tell you the experience was great. Um, if any of you are trying thinking of going overseas, it is a surprisingly painless experience. Um, all the ticketing can be done online. You bring your QR code to the, uh, the festival station, which is just outside um, one of the main um, screening venues. All the screening venues are in Ding area, so they're actually within blocks of each other. But um, I was in one theater for all, all weekend, just one single cinema, where they had two screens showing films. But outside of that cinema um it's next to a very ghetto shopping mall but anyway that's sh- uh that, that outdoor station just bring your qr code print your tickets and you just show up all the tickets all the seats are assigned um and you just show up or make sure you show up on time um and uh that's it i mean the films are all english subtitled if most of the films actually uh, the eight of the nine films i watched were english subtitled or were in english so i did, didn't need subtitles but there was one older film uh Execution Autumn, an old 1980s film directed by um, uh, Lee Xin and written by this year's uh, Lifetime Achievement Award winner. That was an old 35 millimeter print, so that was not subtitled. So that was an um, interesting experience. <laughs> I had to sort of rely on my Mandarin listening power to, to go get through all that. But... Um, if you do sort of want to visit anywhere for a film festival, I really highly recommend. Um, this year has been great in terms of that for me. I think um, I highly suggest you go to Busan and Golden Horse Film Festival. Both both festivals are very uh, are are foreigner friendly. Um, the Q the Q and A's in Busan are translated. The Q and A's in Golden Horse are not. So that's the only sort of sort of um 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 regrettable thing but otherwise both festivals are great for uh visitors uh foreign visitors um and yeah i really enjoyed the experience and i think i'll go back again next year
1: that sounds good and you know i'd say too that if more and more uh foreigners do start to go to golden horse that'll definitely put pressure on them to do uh you know translation in
0: some of the events yeah, perhaps so, but I think it is a very understaffed festival. Um, I think a lot of it based, are, are relying on volunteers. Um, the the Q and As I've only seen two people, two different people do the Q and As. I've sat, for, I think I sat through three or four Q and As, and I've only seen two people do them. Like it's always the same two people, and I think they're pretty high fest, high up in the festival hierarchy. So so I think they're definitely lacking people who could do these sort of translation and Taiwan itself is not the most English friendly of, of, of places unfortunately um, it sounds like a yeah. job for Kevin Ma <laughs> well my Mandarin has to get better first but you know yeah if you, you're working at a golden horse film festival and uh, you know you need translator for a Q&A <laughs> um, well one film I did get to watch and I think we'll talk about in a future episode is a film named Gospeed, which is a Taiwan um film by a director named Chung Mung Hong. And um, it's very significant for us Hong Kong film fans because it is the first um, first film to star Michael Hay that shot in Taiwan. His first film is shot in Taiwan. He says he has a 50-year career and he's never shot a film, he's never shot a Taiwanese film. So it is Michael Hay's first Taiwanese film. It earned him his first best actor nomination at the Golden Horse Awards ever, or in 38 years. Um, unfortunately, he lost, but but um, I've seen the film, and it's a great, great performance. And I am I, I'm gonna I love to talk about this in the next episode.
1: All right, excellent. Uh, is that a comedy or a drama? or?
0: It's a dark comedy, actually. And Michael Hoy is responsible for the comedy part, which is even more awesome. Hmm, that sounds good. All right, let us
1: move on to our final bit of news about Monster Hunt 2. Believe it or not, if you thought there wasn't a sequel coming, there is.
0: Yeah, I don't see why anyone didn't expect a sequel to this film. <laughs> it made a lot of money in China. Um, a lot of, but of course, the the amount of money it made, I don't think was matched by the number of actual fans who wanted a sequel. But never mind that, because we are getting a sequel anyway. Um, the original cast is coming back, uh, Jin Boran and Bai Bai He. Director Wang Minhui, of course, he's back as well. But when, tonight, When, when uh, you say the original cast, that's not the original original cast, right? sorry the original second version cast <laughs> the original theatrical cast okay let's 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 use that one okay yeah so Jim Moran and Bye Bye back are back um as with director Robin Hui. but tonight the production just made a very surprising announcement and it is Tony Leung Tony Leung Chiu-wai not Khafai because Tony Leung has done playing of Echo Films so we don't need him to be any more Echo Films Tony Leung Chiu-wai is joining the cast um, he is going to be in Monster Hunt Two. I'm not sure how big his role is no. going to be. No one has said it.
1: I I'm surprised because I, if you're out there listening as I, as we're reading through this, I'm, I was looking at the notes that uh, Kevin had listed out, and he said Tony Lung joins the cast of Monster Hunt Two, and I immediately thought it's uh Hafei, not Chu Wai, because <laughs> you know you're, you're thinking of stuff like you know League of Gods and stuff. You know he's game <laughs> for anything, but wow, Tony Lung Chu in a, in Monster Hunt Two that is a
0: bit surprising. Seriously, Paul, if it was Tony Leung Kawhi, I wouldn't be. I would even make it a, a new story. It's not oh, a news, Tony Lund-
1: no, there's no newsworthiness to a Leung
0: Kawhi role. <laughs> it would be this week in Tony Leung Kawhi casting news. It was Tony Leung Kawhi. Every other week, Tony Leung Kawhi has signed up for a new film, okay? No, Tony Leung chi signing up for a new film. That's news, <laughs> right? So he just finished uh, uh, Paris Raiders or Europe Raiders, whatever, whatever the hell that one is. Um, and I think his next film is going to be Monster Hunt 2. Um, no idea how big his role is going to be. I mean, it could be as small as Andy Lau's in uh, Cold War 1 or slightly bigger like Chow and Phat in Cold War 2. Or he might get into trouble and halfway into to cut him out of the film, like original Monster Hunt. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, so he's going to be in the film. I also hope that he's not playing a monster. So I hope he's not anti circus circusing his way out of this. Hmm. You know what I mean? That would, like, that, I that,
1: not... that would be interesting too. I mean, even if he does some uh, motion capture or voice work. You know,
0: just, no, just, just I don't think it'd do do be interesting. No, I don't think it'd be interesting. I think you, I don't, you don't need Tony Learn if you're just going to do mocap, I think. Yeah. Because Tony Learn is not an expressive actor, you know what I mean? Like, he's not, he's not a, such an emotive actor that when you see him do mocap, you're going to be like, oh, only Tony Leung can do that face.
1: Mm.
0: You know, it's, if it's going to be a monster, like, you don't want a monster based on Tony Leung's face, right? Tony Leung's face is not made to be made into a monster, right? Like, I, I don't think it works that way. Um, so hopefully he will be appearing in the flesh, flesh in Monster Hunt 2. The film is currently shooting in Beijing set released 2018 so we'll know maybe we'll hate Tony Leon after um, his next two films which is the one car I produce See You Tomorrow and, and, and Paris Raiders maybe we'll hate him after we don't want to see him in any more movies but until then it's pretty exciting news alright
1: that's going to wrap it up for our news this week when we come back after this short musical break Kevin's review of Soulmate they know And welcome back for our East screen review this week. Kevin's going to take us through the film that he mentioned in the Golden Horse Awards in our news, Soulmate, directed by Derek Tsang.
0: That's right. The, um, this, this week's review, um, sorry we haven't talked about it for so long. We just sort of have this huge backlog of movies. Um, but Soulmate is the directorial debut of um, Derek, son of Eric Tsang. Um, and it's his first solo film. Um, and it's produced by Peter Chan. Um, the cast, like I said earlier, is Zhou Yu and Ma Chen. Now, the story, um, based on an online novel by a writer named Annie Baby, So tells the story of July, played by Ma Chen, and An played by Zhou Yu, from their fateful meeting in school to the eventual collapse of their friendship when a boy comes between them. Um, so Derek uh, Zhang, he started very low. He started behind the scenes. Um, he started essentially, cr- he climbed his way up um, from sort of very small behind-the-scenes world to, to acting to um, uh, uh, to directing with Jimmy Wan. He directed two films with him, I think, uh, Lover's Discourse and Lakuna and also the short version of Nail Clipper Romance. Um, so this is his first um, solo film. Um, and like I said, it's based on this online novel um, that was hugely popular female audiences in China. China, um, and it's a very solid chick flick. Um, it's clear that Derek Chung has a lot of confidence behind the, the camera. He's not a stylist, he's very much a um, a handheld kind of guy. And um, I would think that, sort of, he, being the son of a very experienced film person and an actor, I thought he would sort of have more ideas. But um, no, he just sort of—he's he's very steady. He sort of keeps things very steady. Um, not much style. Um, and he's very much turning out to be an actor's director. Um, like I said earlier, he directed the two lead stars to their way, you know, on their way to history. These girls made history. And it's clear that when you watch the film, um, it is very much a performance that that it, it sort of do a partnership of a performance, not really a solo performance. Um and, but let's break down the, the two stars one by one. Zhou Dongyu, uh, if you remember her, she's a star of um, um, Under the Hawthorne Tree by uh, uh, Zhang Yimou. And I think most recently you might have seen her in, um, with short, smaller roles in um, um, Breakup Buddies by, by, by Ning um, um, Hao. And also um, she was recently in... Um, Chinese film. I'm trying to think of a Chinese film. Um, gosh. What was the last thing you see Zhou in, Phil? Paul? Uh, you remember? For me, it's uh, Allure of Tears, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time ago. Well, actually, I forgot about that film, man, for the best. Um, no, she was recently in a, in a Chinese drama produced by Stanley Kwan um, uh, named, like, something like, something in Sicily. Love in Sicily or something like that. But anyway, um, forget everything you've seen her in um she is this is really career changing role she's sort of playing a um I mean she started out playing this sort of nice countryside you know girl next door kind of and she's done that for the last five six years um and there's a real game changer there's a career changing role she's playing the bad girl this time she's playing the sort of reckless um um very much like i said a bad girl a lot of attitude there's a real breakthrough i mean everything you've seen her in there's a total change and and uh, I think kudos to Derek Zhang to have the sort of courage to cast her in that role instead of the Masi Chen role, um, which is much more a sort of goody two shoes, a kinder sort of role. You think that Joe Dong would take that role, but no, she she's taken the sort of the wild bad girl role, and it, it's amazing to see how how well she does in it. Um, her partner Masi Chen is also great but because like I said the the nature of her character being the the more steady the nicer character it's not as flashy as Zhong Dong Yu but the two um, really work well together and it is very much their it is their film it is their film Um, and there is not much more to it personally I did not feel much for the script because I think perhaps it takes certain life experiences to feel for that friendship i think i guess you have to sort of have that one best friend throughout your life and to sort of go through the ups and downs and stuff like that um my life has not been as dramatic i guess or you know i don't have many friends um but i didn't really feel that much for it but also i think it's because i've seen too many of these yun films over the years i mean yun films are big in china these days it's been big for years um for the last couple years um and you see films like it's like Never Gone or you know all these heartthrob movies like um, um, uh, Left Ear, right, or uh, Fleet of Time, and essentially they all sort of blend into one thing over the uh, after some time. And I don't think Soulmate does anything new for the genre, but it is a very solid entry in the genre. Don't get me wrong. Um, it doesn't make me hate Yoon films anymore, but it doesn't make me sort of like them more either. It's just there, and I think it's a solid step in it, but it doesn't sort of do anything new with it. Um, there's a twist within the twist towards the end, uh, as they get become adults, and and uh, things happen to these characters, and they break apart, and they come back again, they break apart. Um, Peter, Chan, Peter Chan actually said himself that he's not a big fan of that ending. Apparently the ending's a bit changed from the original novel, but he was convinced to keep it after test screening uh, audiences loved it, so... Maybe there's a disconnect between me and that generation, the young, the, millenn- the millennials who, who who love the film. Um, it's a solid recommendation for me, just for the audience performances. Um, I think that that they are worth watching, and they. I think it's easily they, these two are easily some of the best young Chinese actresses coming out um, these days. Um, a lot of people liked it more than me. There was a lot of positive. Word of mouth coming, you know, in Hong Kong. Even um, there's a lot of sort of traction going up towards the, um, you know, leading up to the Golden Horse Awards. Um, even though it only ended up winning the two actresses, uh, the best actress awards. Um, but anyway, a lot of people liked it more than me. So maybe it's just sort of my problem. Um, maybe girls will like it more when they they, they sort of see what Derek Tsang has done to to you know cater to female audiences or to to connect to female audiences and more power to him. Um, um, it's a solid film, and, and I, I think it's worth talking about here.
1: All right. Uh, you know, I, when, as I look over her filmography, I do notice that uh, Zoding has is kind of broken out in the past two years. Um, you know, she had five films in 2015. She's got six films this year, um, whereas, you know, she's – I remember seeing her back in Hawthorne Tree and um, some of her early films – but suddenly she seems to be a, a pretty hot rising star.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, Hearthstone Tree really propelled her to be on top of that. Um, but the thing is, she sort of played that very, like, innocent um girl-y thing. And, and she's done that. She's carried that for some time, you know. Um, like I said, the, the last couple of films I've seen her in, um, I mean, Breakup Buddies a short role in that um kind of broke out a little bit it was a a a small taste of of what she could do but um i don't think anyone would have seen her quite like this um before until soulmate i I think it's quite an eye opener uh if you follow the career
1: you said that that you felt that this was very much sort of a character-driven film but at the same time it's like a uh, a chick flick i mean is this uh is this something that uh... You, you think is for a very specific audience that perhaps some of the listeners out there may not enjoy it that much because of that sort of genre pigeonholing?
0: Yeah, I, well, like I said, as, as a sort of a, a man, a male, a post-80s male who didn't really have that one best friend or have the kind of romantic problems that that I had a conflict the sort of conflict that I have with my best friend the ups and downs you know um, I as someone who just casually watches films of this genre I don't think it added anything particularly new um, but one of, a friend of in film industry did say to me that you know China has produced so much bad, so many bad movies in this genre that when a when a one that is actually not too bad, a solid one comes along, she felt the need to sort of actually praise it even more because it is a solid solid entry in the genre. Um, so yeah, um, I think you do have to sort of real. I-, I think you're right, Paul. I think that maybe um, my hesitation or my 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 sort of reservations towards it I be because I don't connect the film quite as much as certain certain audiences might, and you know, just like some people who might not enjoy the genre would not enjoy the film. Some people who who's listening to the show may enjoy this genre more than I do, and they're likely to enjoy the film more than I do. Is it a film that
1: bounces between, uh, you know, is it set in one time or does it bounce between like, uh, you know, the girls being older and, and younger? Sort of, you know, I'm thinking of films like. Uh, what was the Vicky Zhao film like? So young, so young, or others where it's like you've got sort of the older girls, professional, you know, twenty, thirty somethings, reflecting back on you know the nostalgia of their youth. Is it that kind of a film, or
0: is it firmly set in just one time period? No, it it, it is like you said. It, it, there's a modern framing device, and it is uh, one of the characters looking back at the friendship from a modern period, but when you go back to the modern period, um, um, there's twist, of course. Mm-hmm. But, um, um, yeah, most of it is sort of set in flashback, but it is less nostalgic than, say, films like Fleet of Time, or or, or um, um, the Classmate movie. Actually, Joe Dong-Yu was in that one. Um, My Dear Classmate, I think, or right. Our Dear Classmate, or something like that. The Yoon romance, she was in that, actually. But it is less no- nostalgic. It is not very timely. It doesn't talk about a specific time period like that film that film does mm. um but like yeah it is it is done on a flashback structure um and it does things with that structure that is a bit interesting a uh, bit controversial but a bit interesting East green west green
1: All right, we're back for our West Screen film review for this week. We're talking about the latest in the Harry Potter franchise, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, or as I kind of quipped last time, Fantastic Cash Cows, and Where to Milk Them. More on my thoughts on that in just a moment. But uh, this is set in the Harry Potter universe, although it is set uh, roughly seven or eight decades, I guess, before um, the the events that happen in the first you know, what was it, seven books that, seven books or nine movies or however many they gave us. Um, So yeah, this is set in actually around the time period of the 1920s, 1926, I believe, to be more specific. And the story is thus, upon transit to the United States, the magician Newt Scamander from Britain accidentally releases a bunch of magical beasts. Then, along with the help of an aspiring non-magic baker and a former Auror, he must track them, track them down without causing a diplomatic incident. But something of a magical nature has been causing havoc in the city, and the Wizarding World may soon be exposed. So, you know, this is a big holiday Hollywood film. It is a solid extension of the Harry Potter universe, and I think on that basis, if you liked the Harry Potter universe, particularly the films, but even if you're somebody who was not maybe a huge fan of the films, but appreciated the books, this by extension is something that I think most people will enjoy. Um, David Yates comes in to direct. He directed the last handful of Harry Potter films. So here too, by extension, it feels right. It has a look and um, a sort of tone to it that visually uh, I think is a bit more in line with the films that he did whereas I always felt that the earlier Harry Potter films were a bit more for me in terms of the tone the color and the the, the way they portrayed magic whereas as the kids got older uh, it seemed to get the film seemed to get darker but the tone the color tones the palettes um, and some of the art design seemed to get darker too and I, I always thought that was just to sort of reflect the darkness of what was happening in the films. But I think some of that carries over here and perhaps it's just Director Yates' preferential style. Um, The main thing that I enjoyed about this though was the chemistry between uh, the the leads. Not a big fan of Eddie Redmayne so much, um, but I think this is probably my favorite film of his, the the characterization that he brings to uh, the character of Newt, Uh, I liked a lot and I'm interested to see more of this character. There is a twist here um, that's kind of the long plot line that I guess is going to extend into what was going to be three and apparently now as of I think a couple months back now going to be five potential entries into this into this new line. it, you know that that's been set here and uh, you see that twist coming from a mile away i mean it was it was at least for me it was like very obvious who was who and, and i won't say more than that but um there's a second twist that i think is kind of fun you know that, that they kind of kept hidden i'm not going to spoil it here uh, and going forward i'm really interested to see more of, of kind of what happens with that though i think some people will say uh again you know it, it, it just depends on on your perspective on on that uh, that particular twist so there are opportunities here for future films and i think that going forward with the franchise um i'm interested but it also seems a bit like the status quo and i, I don't want to get up on a political soapbox here but you know the the way the thing that they the things that they go through the sort of political culture that they introduce in the USA it's different from the what we have learned about in the Harry Potter universe in, in Britain and they try you know in write in some issues of the time some issues of the era again it's the 1920s there's some aspects of the Wizarding World that are a bit more progressive in terms of like who the president is of the the magical society there And things like that but there are other things that they allude to that are a bit more repressive in terms of how they deal between the wizarding world and and you know people who are humans or what they call the nomad which are the muggle equivalents in in the u.s um but a lot of it is just you know people teleporting people using wands um, magical battles and some pretty interesting you know fantastical creatures and all of that is good but uh, as I've read, it seems like that the, the nec- at least the next film is going to go back and take place again in Britain and perhaps Paris. And I'm thinking, you know, here's a chance to really <laughs> expand much further afield. And I'm hoping they'll do this now that we have potentially five entries going forward. You know, uh, get, get away from Europe, you know, get away from the United States, get over to Asia or go into Africa or go into South America. You know, there's there's a lot of potential that I think could be built into and written into. It'd take a lot of work, of course, because I, one of the criticisms Miss Rowling had with some of the additional material that came out in support of the film was her treatment of things like Native American magic and, and some stuff that we won't go into here. But, you know, there's still a lot of potential to uh, expand this much beyond the, the sort of Anglo-European or Anglo sort of American centric side of things, um, and I'd like to see the series go a bit further afield if it can, rather than just kind of stay in stuff that we've already had a lot of in the previous films and and in this film. Um, but overall, it's you know it's fun, it's big, it's a blockbuster. I, there's still a bit too much particle pulverization uh, that's indicative of. A lot of Hollywood films today, big Marvel films and things, where it's just so many structures exploding into lots of particle effects, and a lot of it's in your face, and a lot of it's supposed to be there to fulfill the 3D requirements. Uh, my favorite moments of this film were actually more character-based moments, and you have some very good interactions. You've got some very interesting characters uh, among the players. Um, particularly, I did like Newt, but you know the 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 sort of a uh, uh, haphazard friendship that he makes with the American Nomad and then his sort of he gets into sort of a uh, a friendship with um, you, you know the the sister of, of the Auror and I, I liked all of that those were you know some of my favorite points um, the magical creatures were fun too and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of commercial opportunities with with all of that involved and um, you know again going forward it's it's it almost feels like it's it's a take, it's her take on the Pokemon franchise in some ways. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what she, she, what they have to do with these characters, you know, going forward. The, as I said, the the sort of overarching Voldemort style plot, although it has nothing to do with Voldemort, um, is kind of, has, has been laid. Now, there are a couple direct references to Harry Potter characters um, or things that you'll recognize from the universe, um, but these are not uh, overly frequent. I think there was just enough for my taste to get you know terms and and recognizable things to to help set the groundwork and then for them to expand into some newer and uh, sl- slightly familiar but still helping to build the world right um, and so overall you know it was entertaining and worth going out and and seeing in the cinema i wouldn't push the 3d side of it because i'm still not in the 3d camp i think even if as kevin was saying there was two 4k projectors i still probably wouldn't want to push the 3d side of it but they're starting to sway him so i'll get his take on it so kevin you've you've <laughs> seen you've seen this right um this has been this is opened up in hong kong um how is it being received over there because hong kong you know for a while was pretty hot with uh, harry potter stuff
0: no, and I think they still are, and I think that that was the big big draw of the film. I, although I, I I don't know how many people are real are, are, are aware of that link. Yeah. Um, I saw this film in 3D. I had to because I saw it with friends. And This is why I watch movies by myself, so I don't get forced into watching a movie at a 3D showtime. No, no, I enjoyed the experience of watching it with my friends. I did not enjoy the 3D experience though. Like I said, it was it's still too damn dark, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Too I dark. I mean, the film itself is already dark, and I don't mean dark in terms of dark subject matter. I mean the film; it is sh- in it takes place in dim places, dimly lit places. Um, so, so no, I still don't like the 3D. Um, no, so no, Paul, don't worry, they're not getting me yet, just yet. <laughs> um, uh, uh, honestly, I was, I watched the Harry Potter films. I read the first book i am not a big fan i'm not i don't dislike it so, you know if i disliked it i wouldn't have watched all, all the films so i don't dislike the franchise i, I like the franchise is fine um and like you said it's very much a cash cow um it's i'm it, it it's already feeling like a bit like the hobbit to me after lord of the rings the film itself was not bad. I mean, the stuff. I mean, I had a cold, so I slept through parts of it. Um, but I was okay with it. The, you know, they were when they were hunting monsters. When I fell asleep, I woke up. They were hunting monsters still. Um, then I woke up again. Then the monster were captured, and some other monster showed up. Whatever. Um, it was fine. Uh, um, it is imaginative in a way, but I don't see how they could expand this to five more or four more films i don't really want to i think at the most maybe a trilogy at the most but five films okay i'm sure jk rowling has some kind of roadmap but you know like you said paul i think it's it's a bit too western centric too anglo saxon anglo world centric to me still the world i think it's a good point that you brought up um eddie redmayne is stringed too close back to Jupiter Ascending level in his performance for me. Um, but, you know, everyone, wh- everyone else is fine. I mean, these are fairly painless movies, and I wouldn't mind keep watching them, but I'm, I don't expect me to be enthusiastic about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'll keep watching them, and I'm sure that sometime one of these, I, w- I would like it. But um, at this moment, I live with it. I watch it. I don't hate it. It's okay. You know, that's all I can say. I mean, I I guess it's a compliment, right, right, Paul? The fact that I don't hate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, coming from you, that's always a compliment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think it's fine. It's entertaining, and you know, it's it's a big Hollywood blockbuster, and you know, people. I don't. They don't really need me to tell them not to watch it or to watch it. I think I think that there's a certain built-in audience for this type of films, and um, and and I think it will satisfy those those built-in audience. Um. I didn't have a miserable time watching it. So, um, on that note, I've already bought my opening night ticket for Star Wars. So, I'm already moving on.
1: Mm, indeed, yeah. And uh, what a great way to move on, right? <laughs> we hope. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, uh, I, 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 as somebody who's read all the books and seen all the movies, a couple of them a couple times, um, I wouldn't say I'm a huge, huge fan. I, I do appreciate the the, the sort of sweeping world that they've created and it's it was nice to go back and, and visit i do kind of think i agree with kevin in that you know five movies may be a bit too much and here i get back to the idea of you know are they really just sort of milking the cash cow at this point um three movies i i could kind of see you know if they if they've got an arc that they want to tell uh five just kind of seems to be pushing it and i again if they if they don't go to new territories if they don't explore. A, a lot of new things or get a bit more diverse. I think it's just gonna start to get a little bit redundant. Um, and And hopefully they'll figure out a way to um, at least bring some of these characters um, you know in into because you you have some character development here, and hopefully they'll have more to do with them, right? Um, because some of the things that get sort of developed out they 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 feel like they've kind of run their course. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do.
0: for a second paw, i thought you said they were going to new territories in hong kong
1: that would be good. That, that no let them go to let him go to you know 19 uh 1930s hong kong in, in the new territories <laughs> hunting for a fantastic beast right that would be interesting you know to see you know how how is magic different in in hong kong or in china or japan or 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 korea or indonesia you know it's like you know we we've had so much of the uh, of that sort of European angle in the Harry Potter movies. Uh, the American angle's not that far different. Let's let's um, you know let's go to some fresh new places.
0: Yeah, Tin actually is where you find Fantastic Beasts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. You have been listening to the Screen West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob J. Boer Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. We also get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com. That's K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T dot com. Follow along with us at uh, Twitter as twitter.com slash Concast. You can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com And we are over on Facebook at S west s i urge you also to follow along with kevin and what he's doing as he's moving and shaking across the planet to film festivals and uh, all the stuff that he does in his daily writings and musings kevin where can they find out more about you
0: well you can read my writing uh every month on uh the discovery magazine and circle magazines um you can find those on uh, the Cathay pacific and Cathay dragon flights you can also find um the Discovery magazine and an iPad app store. Uh is in the Discovery iPad app. Oh my god, December is so amazing. December I have an interview with Johnny Toe about Fresh Wave Film Festival and also his view of, uh, of Hong Kong and his view on his own films. Um I wrote a piece about the Born uh series and the locations that they used. Um, I wrote a nice little piece on a Korean film called Tunnel, so don't miss December. It's like the Kevin Ma issue of Discovery Magazine. It's amazing. I'm even in the contributor section. Seriously, check out this December issue of Discovery Magazine. Um, it, it, and I shouldn't be propping up my own stuff, but it's a pretty damn good issue, I think. Well, there you go, folks. You got to see it. Get on a
1: get on a Cathay flight now. <laughs> if you don't, if you're too well, troubled, remember, download had...
0: the app, right? I've had and also uh, yeah Twitter I forgot yeah, I was so excited about Discovery I forgot to talk about Twitter which is like the first time ever I think in the history of the show um, my Twitter is at thegoldenrock that's one word thegoldenrock you can uh, email me at thegoldenrock at gmail.com um, and that's it yeah. alright
1: excellent our next episode should be episode 210 what will you be talking about for East Screen sir
0: uh, like I said earlier I think I will be talking about Godspeed the Michael Hoy uh, road comedy Alright, excellent. We'll look forward to that. I think
1: on West Screen we'll be uh, looking at the new Disney film Moana. So, all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen West Screen podcast saying, it is better to be a muggle than a nomad. See the movie if you want to find out why. And we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Uh